The Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word. Welcome to today's edition of Exploring the Word. Alex McFarland here along with Bert Harper, and you are listening to the American Family Radio Network. Hey, if I were to ask you who in the Bible, who from Scripture was known as the Tishbite, he was one of the inhabitants of Gilead, and he was one who said that God would use him to, quote, turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, and God would use this man to make ready we live a in people a day when I'm... prepared for the Lord. Who is that? Well, according to 1 Kings 17, that is Elijah the Tishbite. And Bert, uh, isn't it fun to read about these great uh, heroes of the faith, and we see these characteristics. And, you know, in, in our broadcast and in all you and I do, um, I would love for God to use us to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, the disobedient to God's wisdom, and to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. In in that way, we want to do like Elijah too, don't we? Listen, if we could do that, I, I would say we had fulfilled God's purpose for our life. And Elijah is one of those <laughs> yeah. that did that. Of all the prophets that probably did not write a book, uh, Elijah stands out. He and his the one who would follow him, Elisha. and uh, But Elijah is the guy that we find out, uh, we said it yesterday, he appears on the Mount of Transfiguration with Moses, representing the law and the prophets. Which one represents the prophets? Elijah. And so he is a great man, a great man of courage, but also a man that would uh, uh, demonstrate great obedience to the Lord. And Alex, I would say the greatest, well, I, I hesitate to say that, but his uh, battle, or you could say challenge that he had on Mount Carmel concerning the, the prophets of Baal and offering up a sacrifice stands out strongly. Uh, Alex, when we see Elijah, uh, he, he was the one, and again, I, I love chapter 18, verse uh, chapter 18, verse 29, concerning, uh, where really, let me just, uh, uh, you know, let me read verses 27, 28, and 29 concerning the Baal worshipers. And it says, so it was at noon that Elijah mocked them <laughs> and said, cry aloud for he is a God, little G, by the way, either he mm -hmm. is meditating or he is busy or he's on a journey or perhaps he is sleeping and must be awakened. So they cried aloud and cut themselves, as was their custom, with knives and late lances until the blood gushed out of them. And so it was, when midday was past, that they prophesied under the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice. But there was no voice, no one answered, and no one paid attention. Alex, again, I believe with all my heart this is one of the clear statements of false gods and their power of any statement in the Bible. Yes, and and you know you get the Im implication that Elijah is really taunting them. Oh, he's kind he of mocking is in verse twenty-seven. He he says, "Is oh, he yeah. too busy? Is he sleeping? Can't, do do I need to awaken him?" <laughs> 
Yeah. A, 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 exactly. Um, you know, it's interesting. And by the way, Elijah on Mount Carmel um, contending with the prophets of Baal. I mean, this is a, a major moment in his life. Elijah is called one of the greatest Old Testament prophets. Interesting. Um, his ministry is believed to have lasted like 24 years, you know, which is a, a good long time. He is one of the most referenced Old Testament people in the New Testament. And and I don't know, I like statistics, I really do. Obviously, um, the, the most mentioned person in the whole Bible is Jesus. Nobody gets more, men, over a thousand, over 1,200 times Jesus is mentioned. But of Old Testament figures, David and Moses are mentioned in the New Testament dozens and dozens of times. Abraham is, of course, Solomon is. But one of the most mentioned in the New Testament, Old Testament people, is Elijah. Twenty-eight times the New Testament references Elijah. Clearly, he's a person of great significance, and uh, we could talk a lot about him, but I would say this, one of the preeminent characteristics of Elijah, uh, in my opinion, is courage, isn't it? It is, and he demonstrates that again and again and again. I, I'm just sticking to Mount Carmel because it speaks so clearly after <clears throat> those pagan uh, priest of Baal couldn't get their God to answer. I, Elijah did, and and it and the power of God came down, and uh, so yes, he is a great God courage. answered by fire. He sure did. Uh, listen to verse three thirty three. Uh, well, verse thirty two. Then when the stones, he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he made a trench around the altar large enough to hold two thieves of seed and he put the wood in order cut the bull in pieces laid it on the wood and said fill four water pots with water and pour it on the burnt sacrifice and on the wood then he said do it a second time and they did it a second time and he said do it a third time and they did it a third time so the water ran all around the altar and he also filled the trench with water and it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and that I have done all these things at your word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know you are the Lord God and that you have turned their hearts back to you again. There it is, Alex. Then the fire of the Lord fell consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust. And it, I love this. And it licked up the water out of the trench. Now, mm. when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. Now, we're going to look at verse 40 later. But that is the testimony, Alex. And this is Elijah, uh, you know, confronting by a large majority, these 450 pagan uh, priest, and he alone, he gets all that done, and God shows up, and I'm telling you what, the people said, the Lord, he is God. Elohim is God, Alex. He is the God of the Old Testament. He's the God of the New Testament, isn't he? Well, he really is. He really is. And you know what? Let me just say this, and I know this is in the Old Testament times, and uh, God was preserving Israel because through the nation of Israel would ultimately be born Jesus, the Messiah. But um, after this, you know, the fire fell, consumed the sacrifice, and you're right, all the water in the trench. And this is not just a mud puddle. I mean, this was like 
hundreds of gallons of water all around, and it's all evaporated in just a moment. But Elijah says, take the prophets of Baal, do not let one of them escape. And they took them, and Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon and slew them there, uh, 1 Kings 18.40. It's interesting, uh, verse 41, Elijah said unto Ahab, Get thee up, eat and drink, for there is a sound of the abundance of rain. <laughs> Hallelujah. See, what happened was... Yeah. After yeah, how long uh, now? How long is this? Three years? Yeah. Three because, years of drought. See, here's the thing. The only way for the rain to come was for the land to be cleansed, all right? Uh, the rain and the dew, there had been no rain nor dew for three years, okay. Uh, rain signifies blessing. Um, Bert, I don't want to extrapolate too much, but let me just say uh, our, our nation has problems. I don't think we're going to have the blessing and the favor of God till our land is cleansed of some very sinful things that we're doing as a nation right now. And uh, we need the Spirit of God to move and change hearts and lives. And uh, praise God, He's in the business of doing that. But when we repent and we turn to God, just like Elijah said to Ahab, listen, because there's going to be the sound of the abundance of rain. Amen. And and listen, when, when our legislature passes law to kill babies no matter what the states might think you know that Mm -hmm. has been discussed here on this radio on the other programs but again the curse of making those horrible decisions doing those horrible things comes upon the people of the land and yes there is a payment to pay but here after the cleansing the rain comes Ahab did go up uh, and and said Elijah went up to the top of Carmel. Carmel. Did you get to go to Mount Carmel when you were in uh, Israel, Alex? Do you know what? We, we drove up to it and saw it, but we didn't get to go hike up it or anything. Oh, wow. Well, we were able to go there, and the view from there uh, is amazing. And when you're there, uh, well, all over Israel, you feel like you're on holy ground. But what took place there, the battle that took place, as, as you would call it, and you felt the victory, uh, it, it was just an amazing thought. And he went up, then he bowed down on the ground and put his face between his knees and said to his servant, go up now, look toward the sea. So he went up and looked and said, there is nothing. Seven times he said, go again. Then it came to pass the seventh time that he said, there is a cloud as small as a man's hand rising out mm-hmm. of the sea. So he said, go up, say to Ahab, prepare your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. Now it happened in the meantime that the sky became black with clouds and wind and there was a heavy rain. So Ahab rode away and went to Jezreel. Then the hand of the Lord came upon Elijah and he girded up his loins and ran ahead of Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. He's got something to say. But in that small cloud, that promise, he said it's the size uh, of a man's hand. And he said, Mm -hmm. hey, God's a-coming. The mercy and the blessing, they're a-coming. What a promise and what a fulfillment. And there was a heavy rain, wasn't there? Yes, it was. And, you know, uh, it it says he girded up his loins and ran ahead. Um, in, In that culture... You know, men would wear kind of a, a tunic or like a skirt thing. So to run, they had to uh, 
kind of pick up the cloth so it wouldn't trip him. But uh, he did that, and it's funny. Elijah has to flee to the wilderness, and he gets discouraged. Let me let me read a little bit from First Kings nineteen. Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, and how uh, he had executed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah, and she makes an oath, a vile, ungodly oath. So let the gods do to me, and more also, if I do not make your life as one of them by tomorrow. In other words, 24 hours from now, you're going to be a dead man. That's right. Isn't that something? That is. And and Jezebel makes a vow by these false gods, little g, because she didn't know the true and living God. Um, Here's an understatement. The Bible is very subtle. Um, Elijah, when he saw that, he arose and ran for his life (laughs) and went to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. Uh, Yep, when he heard this, because he knew, listen, he trusts God, but Jezebel is an evil woman. Yep, and it is. And Ahab was an evil man, and so he just knew he had to to run. He did, and we're going to find out that, uh, you know, after this great, great victory— and this challenge and this threat, Elijah kind of has a, a difficult time. Uh, you can call it depression. Uh, some people call it, quote, a pity party. But God was with him even in that. You know, uh, mm-hmm. I'm so glad the Bible shows these men and some of their weaknesses, Alex, uh, because they are men and women, but they're men and women that God has used. And we're going to come back and Mm -hmm. see what all happens to Elijah here in 1 Kings chapter 19. This is Pause to Pray, a chance to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today, we pray for Frank Kendall, Secretary of the Air Force. He reports to the Secretary of Defense and has authority over the affairs of the Department of the Air Force. James 1.12 reminds us of the qualities of a good leader. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, We ask you to guide Frank Kendall as he oversees the affairs of the United States Air Force. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team, a nonprofit, nonpartisan ministry dedicated to encouraging prayer for our nation's leaders. To learn more, go to pausetopray.org. Dr. Tony Evans says the best evidence that we believe in God is that we obey Him. He'll talk about that important balance between faith and works as we spend two minutes with Tony. You remember Martha and Mary, Lazarus died. Lazarus is put in the tomb. There's a stone over the tomb. Jesus comes to the tomb, says, Martha, move the stone. Martha said, he's been dead four days and he stinks. Jesus says, I did not ask for you instructions in mortuary science. I just told you move the stone. I just told you obey me and do the work I called you to do, even though it doesn't make sense, it seems ridiculous, move the stone. And then he says, didn't I say to you, you would not see until you believe. If you're from Missouri, you need to see first. If you're from the kingdom of God, you need to believe first and then you see. 
And you bleed by moving the stone, not just by having this psychological feeling well up in you. You bleed with your feet, not with your feelings. So I don't care how much doubt you have. Get your feet moving the right way and you're moving in faith. Don't wait for the emotions. Emotions are the caboose. Your obedience is the engine. And the reason why we're not seeing more of God in the unseen back to the seen is our feet are moving in the wrong direction. I know some of you want to give up. Some of you want to quit. You're trying to live the Christian life. Nobody's buying it. Nobody's believing it. Maybe folks are leaving you because you won't hang out with them and do what they're doing. But there is coming a day when God will make it inextricably clear where he stands. And if you're walking with God, he's standing with you. Learn more about what happens when we make our stand with the Lord. Check out Tony's two-volume teaching series, Heroes of the Faith, available online at TonyEvans.org. And be sure to join us next time for Two Minutes with Tony. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. Bernie and Alex, if you have your Bibles, we're studying about the great prophet Elijah, and there's some, just some fantastic chapters here. It's just bam, bam, bam with Elijah. We're in chapter 19, and he's confronted Jezebel, and Jezebel has threatened him. And now we come to chapter 19, verses 4 through 8, and this is some of the most interesting passages, I think, in Elijah's life. It shows his uh, humanity, it shows his weakness, but he himself went a day's journey. After this, he was running from uh, Jezebel and the threat she made to kill him. And he went a day's journey into the wilderness, came and sat down under a broom tree. He prayed that he might die and said, It is enough now, Lord, take my life, for I am no better than my father's. Then as he lay and slept under a broom tree, suddenly, an angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. Then he looked, and there by his head was a cake baked on coals and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came back the second time, touched him and said, Arise, eat, because the journey is too great for you. So he arose, ate and drank, and he went in the strength of that food forty days and forty nights as far as Horeb, the mountain of God. Now, Alex, again, we find this, this man, I, I think there's two or three things that we need to look at. He's just gotten through the highest high that you could have concerning the battle that he had with the prophets of Baal. And then he runs, and, and that took a lot of energy. He runs ahead of the chariot of Ahab. He gets threatened by Jezebel. He runs away and a day's journey. It doesn't say anything about food or nourishment this time. So he gets to there and he's, it's enough. I'm, I've had enough. I'm ready to die. I'm no better than my father's. Alex, I've heard a lot of people that were in the area of, you know, you know personality and also psychology say uh, Elijah was a perfect candidate for depression 
a moment of depression at this time. No food, no no yeah. rest, uh, no sleep, and man, and the threat. He was he was a candidate for that, and God didn't disown him. What did God do? He sent an angel to minister to him. Isn't that the mercy of God? Well, it is. You know, we see the uh, grace of God, but we also see the humanness of Elijah. And, you know, that saying, I, I read this in a John Maxwell book many years ago. You know, John Maxwell has written a number of, in my opinion, really wonderful books on leadership. But the, the word halt, H-A-L-T, halt. Don't make any major life decision if you're hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. And we know Elijah was three of those things. He was hungry, he was lonely, he was tired. And as great as this man of God was, you know, he had this desperation. He's Lord, it is enough. Take my life. Um, do you sense kind of just a real desperation? Lord, I, I cannot do any more. But you know what? When you pour yourself out before God, you you humble yourself and you say, Lord, I, I, I am at the end of my own strength. That's okay. It, Bert, isn't it? It's not just okay to declare our absolute need of the Lord. It's actually a very honest and wise thing to do, isn't it? It really is. And and I, I just want those of you who are listening today and, and you kind of down on yourself, you've had a mountaintop experience, and then after that, you uh, kind of felt bad, may have, may have made a bad decision or something, you know. Uh, God's working. God's not through with you. God is 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 ministering. And, and again, what happened to Jesus after his 40 days and 40 nights of fasting and praying? The angels came and ministered to him, Alex. And here the angel comes and ministers here to Elijah, and and God had God's not through with him. God's got some more for him to do, but again, he is in self pity. He is depressed. And what does God do him? He gives him rest. He gives him food, and he gives him encouragement. Oh, what an opportunity this was! In verse nine, and there he went into a cave and spent the night in that place. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him and said, "What are you doing here, Elijah?" So he said, I have been very zealous for you, Lord, for the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, killed your prophets with a sword. I alone am left, and they seek to take my life. Then God said, Go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind, and after the wind... An earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in a fire. And after that, the, after the fire, a still, small voice. So it was when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in his mantle, went out and stood in the entrance of the cave, and suddenly a voice came to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? So he said, I've been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts children of Israel forsaken. He's going over the same things he said. I alone am left, and they seek to take my life. And the Lord said, Go return to your way of the wilderness of Damascus. And when you arrive, anoint Hazel, the king of Syria, and you shall anoint Jehu. He's given, notice what he's doing, Alex. He's given him something to do. And then he tells him about Elisha, that he used to help Elisha and anoint him. He's going to take his place. 
Look at verse 18. I have reserved 7,000 in Israel whose knees have not bowed to Baal and every mouth that has not kissed him. Alex, there you, you're talking about Holt. Holt, he felt like he was the only one left. He thought his life was there, but God says, no, 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 Elijah. I have 7,000 that have not bent their knee. Praise mm. the Lord. Alex, uh, yeah. you know, God was ministering to Elijah all the way, not giving up on him, but had something for him to do, especially anointing a king, but also calling out Elisha to follow in his footsteps. Amen. Bert, um, this First uh, Kings 19, 11, and 12, okay, you've got a wind, an earthquake, and a fire. And uh, Elijah's on this mountain, and it says there was a great wind. I mean, you think about this. There was a great and strong wind which tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces. Now, a wind that can break rocks, that's pretty powerful wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. And over and over, have you ever pondered on this? It says, uh, the wind broke the rocks, but the Lord was not in the wind. And the earthquake... But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake of fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. Okay, wind, earthquake, and fire, that's pretty dramatic, um, you know, earth-shattering circumstances. But it says, after the fire, a still small voice. So I wondered, what does it mean that the earth was not in the wind? Um, here's, among other things, no matter what your circumstances are, there's a God who's beyond and bigger than your circumstances. Even the, if the earth beneath your feet was to tremble up and down, um, God is not bound by an earthquake. God is not bound by your circumstances. And we, we don't need to listen to our circumstances, but we do need to listen to the still small voice. In other words, uh, literally the voice of God, a gentle whisper. And regardless of what's going on outside of us, we need to yield to the Holy Spirit within us. Am I understanding this correctly, Bert? You are. Now, let me share. I, I believe you are, Alex, right on. Don't miss the little things God does. You know, mm -hmm. uh, we, we want a big splash. You know, you re yeah. really do. Uh, man, those great numbers. Let me see, Alex. Uh here it is, Billy Graham preached around the world. Thousands, probably millions, came to know Jesus Christ through the ministry that God gave Billy Graham. But one man, Mordecai Ham, was a man who was preaching when Billy Graham was saved. How about yeah. D.L. Moody? Same kind of ministry, two continents, and he would change his history of the world but who won him to the Lord? Uh, a man there that was a Sunday school teacher teaching him. So, Alex, you know that still small voice? Yes, listen to him. Don't be caught up with the flowery, the big deals, the big things. And also, don't despise small beginnings. You know, mm -hmm, I, I mm -hmm. really do believe that God is saying, you've got to listen to me. Uh, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. Uh, be listening for that voice. We get to know that voice, and we can know we're following him. 
Amen. That that's that's really beautiful. Uh, and, and you're right. Let's not miss the what we say are small things or insignificant things because you know the God of the the big notable happening is also the God of the small details. That still small voice. So. He wraps his mantle and he goes out and he stands in this cave. And again, this is kind of like a repetition of before. What are you doing here, Elijah? He says, I've been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts because the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, killed your prophets with a sword. I alone am left. They seek to take my life. The Lord said to him, go return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. When you arrive, anoint Haziel is king over Syria. See, at, at first, you know, God had said, um, get up and go and uh, stand on this mountain. Now he says, go to the wilderness beyond Damascus. Um, let me just say, Bert, has has it ever, like, bothered you that, like, in verse 13, 14, um, Elijah says, I have been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts. Now, that is true. Um, but rather than focus on what we've done for God and maybe what's been done to us, let's just uh, focus on God and, and His glory. Because oh, wow. I don't know, um, I've often felt like the, the sure path to depression is to think too much of your, think too much about yourself, really. Yeah, good point, Alex. You know, I use two words, glancing and gazing. Mm -hmm. We want to keep our gaze on God. I, yeah. Our gaze, look unto the hills where cometh our help. Our help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. We look to him. Look unto the author and finish of our faith. Keep your gaze on him. You glance at, at the other things in life. You glance at them. But you, and, and so here what, what I believe Elijah is doing, he is looking at what I, I've done, I've done. And again, he gets it off track, but God's not through with him. Notice what God does to get him back on track. He gives him an assignment. Exactly. That's exactly the word I got. He gave him an assignment to do. And and I just want to encourage those of you that are, are you're having difficulty and it's depressing. And uh, find, find a ministry, serve someone. Alex, we've talked about you know, fulfilling God's purpose, and we say, go to church, yes, read the Bible, yes, do all those, pray, yes, but I want to tell you, you need to do something of a service, help someone, yes. uh, minister to someone, find someone that, that you can help, and here he gave him that assignment, and it was an assignment that was really important, a king being anointed and a prophet being anointed, pretty big business, wasn't it? Well, well, it really was. And, you know, uh, fleeing for his life. And, and I don't know, maybe Ahab and Jezebel had just uh, occupied his thoughts too much. Maybe Elijah, um, because look at this, after a major victory, after Mount Carmel, and that's, a, that's a major victory. But then he's running for his life, all right? And he's thinking about himself, and maybe he's out there in the wilderness just jumping at the sound of every twig that breaks. And he goes to this cave, and he's depressed. And he says, I've been very zealous for the Lord. I've done this and this. Now, God is very merciful, gives him a job to do. Go anoint Haziel, king over Syria, and anoint Jehu, king over Israel. Bert, now let me get a little... Uh, I don't know, out in the weeds here. Uh, two weeks ago, I quoted the missionary Albert Schweitzer. And Albert Schweitzer had once said to a group, I don't know what your future holds, but I know this for everybody. 
The ones of you that will be truly happy in life are the ones who commit yourself to serve others. That seriously, the fulfillment is in serving others. And so let me just also say, I really think in American life, very often uh, retirement is, is very or can be very counterproductive if all you're going to do is just kind of sit around uh, because, you know, none of us wants to feel like we're not being used. I've often said the way to torture a man is to set him on a shelf. And so that's one of the be- beautiful things of church because in, in the local church, doesn't matter where it is, but in the church, we learn to serve. In the church, we interact with others and we find encouragement. In the church, we discover our gifts and abilities. In the church, we're doing things that count for all of eternity. And so if you find yourself kind of between assignments, and if you kind of suddenly life is a little bit quiet and you're flirting with maybe being depressed or discouraged, get in church and serve the Lord by serving others. I really think it was just brilliant and merciful when God gave us the family and the church because we have in those things opportunities to serve others. Amen. I just want to finish chapter 19 real quickly. He gives him the assignment of the kings that we said, but also the man who will follow him, Elisha. What's he doing? He's working. He's plowing with yoke. But Elijah is calling, and he cast his mantle on him. And Elisha said, I got some things to do. But verse 21 said, he arose and followed Elijah, Elijah and served him. We're getting these two great prophets walking together for a little while. And we're going to study that some for tomorrow. Hey, you're listening to Exploring the Word. We're taking phone calls, 888-589-8840. Give us a call. Moral relativism. Apathy. Fading allegiance to traditional morality. Americans are succumbing to double-mindedness about moral values. Many now say, Who's to say what's right or wrong? Personally, I disapprove of pornography, but that is only my own opinion. Like it or not, we are in a battle for our nation's moral compass. Time to learn more by reading A City Set on a Hill at afa.net slash the stand. afa.net slash the stand. Hello, I'm Don Hawkins, here to tell you about Encouragement Live, 55 minutes of industrial strength radio encouragement featuring resourceful guests plus practical biblical insights to help you face life's challenges. We'll be taking your phone calls, so plan to join us for Encouragement Live, Saturdays at 7.05 p.m. Central, 8.05 p.m. Eastern, here on American Family Radio. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. At the climax of the account, when Jesus restored Peter's personal relationship with him and Peter's call to ministry, he saw John following them. Jesus had just predicted that Peter would give his life for the gospel when Peter said, what about John, Lord? Jesus responded, what does he have to do with your calling? You follow me. With those words, Jesus hit a consistent flaw of the human condition. We derive value and self-worth by comparing ourselves to other people. Your ups, your downs, your failures, your victories were never meant to be compared to other people. 
we have been called to serve an audience of one. The only approval you need is His. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. This is Dr. Stephen Rummage with a minute in God's Word to help you keep moving forward. Galatians chapter 5 verse 1 says this, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. A dog burst through the front door of his house, charging at the approaching postman, barking viciously. But before he reached the fence, the dog stopped, turned around, and plopped down on the porch. This scene repeated for a couple of times. The homeowner finally came out, and as the postman told his story, the man laughed. He said, we took the dog off his leash two days ago, and he doesn't know that he's not chained up anymore. Through faith in Jesus Christ, we are no longer bound by the chains of performance to please God. Instead, we can serve God without fear because he is free freed us from the power and penalty of sin. Praise God, through Christ we're free. For more resources, visit movingforwardradio.org. Join me every Sunday morning at 8.30 Central for Moving Forward right here on AFR. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled, but in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. 1 Peter 3, 14 through 16. American Family Radio. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. Welcome back to Exploring the Word. Bertie and Alex with you today, and we're enjoying doing, going through and studying Elijah. I love, I love character studies. I, that's one of the things I enjoyed when I was pastoring full time. I would just interrupt my one of the, say one of the books I was going through and do a character study. And Elijah's one of those, and it's hard to cover him in one day. Matter of fact, we'll be in the third day tomorrow. We're going to talk about. Uh, what Ahab and Jezebel does to get some a land grab, and and what <laughs> God did about it, and uh, it's going to take a while for Jezebel quote to get hers, uh, but right. you want to tune in. You want to get she does get the judgment that that God said she would. So I I'll pray you'll t- tune in tomorrow. I think you'll really enjoy that. Hey Alex, uh, we've got people and we got phone lines that are open right now. Triple eight five eight nine eighty eight forty. Triple eight five eight nine eighty eight forty. If you've been wanting to give us a call, and, and right now is a great time because lines are open. Uh, but let me ask you, and I give a quick answer, and then we'll go to Paul in North Carolina. He's holding, but his things going well in Macon, Mississippi. Oh, my goodness, yes. We had such a great night last night, and we had a good crowd of people. I'm at Calvary Baptist Church, 105 Dent, D-E-N-T, Dent Street. Pastor Bill Ross, we're going to have church again tonight at 6.30 p.m. Sure would love for you all to be there if you're in the the region of Macon, Mississippi, Calvary Baptist. I I just want to give a shout-out. You will, if you enjoy Alex on the radio, you will get a double blessing by seeing it in person. There's just something 
uh, about being in the presence and people are there. It, it, it just, the energy flows. So if you can get out there to Calvary Baptist Church in Macon, Mississippi, I, I'm sure you'll be blessed. Well, we've got somebody online here, and it's Paul from North Carolina. Paul, welcome. Hey, guys. How y'all doing? Doing good, good today. I really appreciate your show. I listen to you quite a bit when I can. My question is not in the Old Testament. It's, you know, it's not really with what y'all are talking about now, but I come across it in the Bible about where we will ju uh, judge angels. What is that all about? Okay. Um, I'm going to hang up so I can listen to you and appreciate you guys. Alex, are we going to sit in judgment of them, or are we going to be with Christ? Uh, what, what's your take on that? What's your thoughts? Well, you know, in, in the larger context of 1 Corinthians chapter 6, Paul had said that basically a Christian is not to sue another Christian before an ungodly judge. If any of you has a dispute with another, you know, uh, take it before the Lord's people rather than taking it before an unjust, secular judge. And it says, do you not know that the Lord's people will judge the world, 1 Corinthians 6, 2? So, okay, so it says that we're going to participate in judgment, and if we can judge humanity, it, now this is in heaven, and I want to talk in a moment the degree to which we would judge um, we can decide trivial matters, too. And it says, do you not know that we will judge angels? First Corinthians 6, 3. How much more the things of this life? All right. For one thing, the degree to which we um, participate in the judgment in heaven, I don't fully know. I know one thing that part of the indictment against the Antichrist is the martyrs in heaven that they said, Lord, avenge our blood. Um, but here's what I draw out of this 1 Corinthians 6, in 2 through 4 passage. At the very least, if we've got a heavenly perspective on eternity, we need to think and live from a heavenly perspective here in this life. So in other words, um, if, if we get sideways with a fellow Christian, we're supposed to privately talk about it, Matthew 18, and if, if we can't make any progress, we're supposed to take, you know, one or two other Christians with us. If need be, go before the church. And uh, Paul is saying, essentially, look, uh, we're going to judge things that count for eternity. Surely, from God's perspective, we can settle some things that are, by comparison, rather minute in this life. Do you so, agree, Bert? I agree with you. Now, what came to me is Philippians 2 about the mind of Christ. If we, and we can, uh, that was the instruction. Paul said, have the mind of Christ. Where is that? On earth. Now, in heaven, I fully believe we will have that, and we will be in line with him. And we, in that judgment, we, you know, judge with him or as him. And so, Alex, we should be able to do it. Lay aside uh, all greed and malice and, and, and make those good judgments among yourselves. Uh, the Bible just condemns this stuff of, of arguing and fussing with believers. You know, you ought to be able to. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you have to. Paul had to stand Peter to the face. Uh, but it was one time. It wasn't every other day. You catch what I'm saying? 
Uh, mm-hmm. So it shouldn't be something you do. So thank you. Well, yesterday, Tim got on right at the last moment. Tim, we hated to do that, but uh, we just wanted to let you know and encourage you to you to call us back, and you have. So welcome, Tim. Glad you're here. Hey, how you doing, guys? Thanks for um, taking my Good. call. Question. Um, your statement, but question. Is it um, Jesus Christ or Jesus the Christ? Christ being his Godhead and not his last name. Okay. And I'll hang up and, and, and give your, you know, listen to you guys. Okay. AKA, uh, thank you, Tim. You know, it does say Jesus, Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ. But when you say the Lord, that's his position. Jesus is his name. And Christ, Alex, that is his ministry. He is the anointed one. He is the one that has come. Uh, you know, he's the Messiah. He's Christ. Uh, Alex, uh, he is the Christ. So, but it's no, I don't think it, you have to put the on it all the time. Yeah, I know. Because it really Christ is, is, means anointed one. And, you know, Second Corinthians chapter 1 says, Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, the God of all comfort. All right, clearly in the New Testament, Jesus is recognized as the Messiah, the Savior. Um, Matthew chapter 16, Peter says, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. The anointed one, Matthew sixteen sixteen. So, either way, they're really synonymous. Jesus Christ, He is Yeshua, Jesus the Messiah, and if you use the definite article, the Christ, it's appropriate because He is the only one. He's the only Savior. He is the anointed one. But really, the terms are pretty much synonymous aren't they Bert? yeah jesus christ or jesus the christ you're not demeaning it by saying jesus christ rather than jesus the christ no it's not less than than that he is the bible talks about it but i love the lord jesus christ that's usually the uh, comes before he's the lord that's his position christ jesus's name and, and and Christ is his title, the anointed one. He is it. So thank you, Tim, and I appreciate you calling back. Let's go to Arkansas and talk to Don. Don, welcome. Yes, hello. Yes, welcome to Exploring the Word. Um, yes, um, I listen to y'all every day, and I, I just wanna I wanna say that uh, some years ago I was going uh, real involved in a church and uh, some. You know, I knew I knew God put me there, and some stuff happened, and I knew that it was time for me to go. I went there for like three years, and I knew that he had, you know, wanted me to go elsewhere. I didn't know why, and then a bunch of stuff happened at the church after that. But anyway, um, and I can't get to my position where I was with him then, and I've tried so hard. I just wonder if I, I'm not good enough to get back there. Okay, Don. Listen, uh, God restores the years that the locusts have eaten. In other words, God mm-hmm. is a restorer. He, he really is, and he desires that. One of my greatest teachers and preachers that I loved, he's going to be the Lord. Uh, you know, Alex talked about that. He talked about when praising wasn't enough. Ron Dunn, I, you, I've referred oh, yeah. to him to it several times on this, but he talked about those qu- 
those difficult times in your life, those yeah. times in your life when when you keep op- he he used it this way, you keep opening your mail. By that he means you still go to church, mm. you you keep praying, you keep reading the scriptures, and that keeping doing that. Don Ron Dunn, who is a I mean, I can't tell you how effective he was. He'd say it will come, but there's going to be some difficult times when you're, when you're, uh, Alex, it's just, uh, Ron Dunn called it those quiet times, those quiet years when where is the voice of God? And it's not as clear as it once was. Sounds like Dawn is in that time frame. You know, I love Psalm 51, verse 12, where David said, Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Didn't say restore my salvation, but the joy of it. And, you know, uh, Bert, uh, we, need, we need a refreshing of God's presence and God's spirit. But let me, let me just say this. The way that the King James handles that, Psalm 51, 12, restore the joy of my salvation. King James says, uphold me with your free spirit. Now, some translations say, uphold me with your generous spirit. But I love the way that it really reads in the Hebrew uh, and a lot of like the English standard says it this way, restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with your willing spirit. God's Holy Spirit is for you, everybody. God's spirit is willing to hold you up and draw you back to himself. So um, Spurgeon said this, take God for what his word says. Even if your emotions don't immediately follow, sometimes we don't feel all that close to God, but his word promises if we turn to Christ, he hears us. If we come to Christ, he receives us. I think um, irrespective of our feelings or emotions, we've got to accept God's word for what it promises. And if we turn to Christ, we're with him. I want to read some scripture, Don, and it's from Isaiah chapter 40, verses 28 through 31. So we would suggest concentrate on Psalm 51 and, and Isaiah 40, especially 28 through 31. Have you not known, have you not heard the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary. There's no searching of his understanding. Now listen to this, Don. He gives power to the weak, and to those who have no might, he increases strength. Even youth shall faint and be weary. Young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait upon the Lord, and that means waiting expectantly, wait upon the Lord, shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. Don, we pray that this scripture help you, and we're praying for that joy of your salvation returning. He'll uphold you by his mighty willing hand he really will thank you mm. let's go to ohio and talk to rick rick welcome um, thank you for um taking my call i i love your show uh show and uh when i listen to you gentlemen um you know i go so much as i know all people that listen to your program do and you say at the end of the program um tell someone about exploring the word then tell, but more importantly, tell someone about Jesus. Well, when you listen to a spoil in the world, you hear about Jesus. And I just praise God for you two gentlemen. Mm-hmm. My question is, I am Catholic. I guess you would say I'm a fundamental Catholic. 
I might go by the Bible alone and by Jesus Christ alone. But my one, I got two questions. One is, um, I know several Catholics and even some priests who have accepted Jesus Christ as the Savior. Um, they certainly seem to love the Lord, yet they uh, circle by faith and works. Um, and I just want to, you to comment, um, you know, can you actually be saved and still believe if you accept Christ and still believe in works and some of the other teachings of the church that um, a lot of us working um, believe? And uh, um, I'd just like you to comment on okay. that. Yeah. And, you know, I, I just had a thought of it. I'd like you guys to comment on. Um, they it's, they believe in works, but they have accepted Jesus. And I, I just like you guys to comment on that. Sorry, sorry I'm taking so long. My other question is, um, it says in the Bible, when the Lord come back, he will come back for a church without spark or wrinkle. Do, do you think this could mean that there has to be revival in the eternal Christian church before the Lord's come okay, back. Okay, Rick, I, I'm you know? cutting you off. Alex, don't have a lot of time. Can you respond to Rick? Um, yeah, let me say this. And, uh, folks, I mean, to be clear, the gospel, the good news of salvation, Christ rose from the dead. We put our faith in Jesus and we're saved. I want to say this. It's funny. I was talking with a man earlier today. We were talking about how we need each other nowadays. And Protestants and Catholics agree on a lot. And we're, we're all pro-life, we're pro-morals, we're pro-family. Um, I, I rejoice there are many born-again Christians within the Catholic ranks these Amen. days. And, Amen. And le, can we elaborate a little bit more on that tomorrow? You I keep your eyes need, on yeah. Jesus, brother. Yeah. Hey, Rick, you tune in tomorrow, and Alex and I do our best. Alex, write that down. Uh, yes. Remind uh, Marty, remind us that we got to do that. And uh because we didn't have time to do that. We appreciate it so much. And thank you for listening to Exploring the Word. If you're near Macon, Mississippi, go to Calvary Baptist Church. What time is that tonight, Alex? 6.30 p.m., 6.30 tonight. Uh, amen, and you'll be blessed. And we thank you again for listening to Exploring the Word. We're going to talk some more about Elijah tomorrow and introduce you to Elisha. So thanks for listening to Exploring the Word. Tell someone about this program and this network. But more importantly... Tell them about Jesus. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.